Howdy riders, welcome back to Ride Between the Wines Virtual Edition. In this episode, I'm speaking with Alessandro Medici, and he is going to tell me about the one thing that you're probably not drinking that you should be. It's called Lambrusco. So check it out, it's a great time. And then stick around for the end of the episode when I do my Take 5 local restaurant segment with Brian Della Volpe of The Gourmet Shop, which is wine, cheese, cigars, everything. Um, so he was a lot of fun to talk to as well. So uh, buckle up. Let's ride. The world we live in is an amazing one, full of passion, wonderment, and of course, fine wine. This is the story of one man's journey to fully understand and appreciate that world. So kick the tires and light the fires. It's time to ride between the wines. Burgundian in style. Just a whisper of cherry. Very nice legs. This is so perfectly balanced. Such an old world style. Is this laced with tobacco? A total fruit bomb. I say, so fancy! <laughs> um, howdy riders, welcome back to Virtual Edition Ride Between the Wines. I'm here with Alessandro Medici from Medici, um, big Lambrusco producer. Uh, you are the first Lambrusco producer that I've had on here. Um, but before we get started, I want to say uh, I love your wines. I love Lambrusco. It is uh, me and Erica Taylor have a loved interest of Lambrusco wines uh, and wanting more people to drink them. But in America, we, you know, obviously we had a big push in maybe the 70s, but at this point, at least where, where I'm living, uh, there's not a heck of a lot of it being drank. Um, but I think the stuff you're doing is great. So very happy to have you tell us more about it. Maybe we can help get some other people on the Lambrusco train. Fantastic. Good morning. Thank you, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. How, how, are, how are things over there? Oh, the things are going better and better. Um, in, in my area, I live in Reggio Emilia that is a uh, in the Emilia-Romagna region, so that mm -hmm. is the, the region of the production of Lambrusco, is basically between the north and the south of Italy. Uh, here the things are going better and better, restaurants are uh, opening, are completely Great. open right now, so we are positive for the future. It's not an easy situation, but we are always uh, optimistic and positive. So restaurants are fully open as in full capacity and everything? Yeah, not full capacity, with strict rules they mm -hmm. have that they have to respect you know the distance is uh, like one meter between every single table uh, no more than uh, five six people for table mm -hmm. uh, you need to, to to have your mask uh, if you have to go to the toilet for example but uh, things are going slowly slowly but uh, uh, better and better every every day i have to say also the business uh, uh, if I have to make a comparison between this July and last July, the sales uh, in our area and in the north of Italy are more or less the same. I don't want to say I don't want to say the same, but more or less the same. So we are positive and fingers crossed for sure. Well, good luck. Well, that's very exciting to hear. We're we're not quite uh, on that track. Our, our restaurants are are opened up at about half capacity, but at least in my part of the country, it's still very trending up high cases and everything but, but hopefully we'll be where you guys are soon um well uh well great well let's just um let's get started if you could just tell me a little bit about um your family very long uh family tradition of the medici family there and um you know a little bit about the winery yes absolutely so uh, i'm alessandro and uh, i'm 25 i'm almost i'm almost 26 on 3rd of august so these are the last days uh, <laughs> uh, 25 of your mid-20s <laughs> yes and I represent the fifth generation of the Medici family inside of our business uh, so it's one of the most historical winery in uh, in our region for sure Emilia Romagna but also I would say in the north of Italy this year is actually a very important anniversary for us it's our 130th anniversary we wanted to celebrate in, in a very different way, as you can easily understand. <laughs> uh, we had like a pandemic, a global pandemic, but we will have the time to, to celebrate in the future. 
Anyway, I entered in the winery uh, almost three years ago after my laurea, after my diploma at the university. I studied mm -hmm. gastronomic sciences okay. um, in Piedmont, so in the Barolo area. That's why I'm a huge fan of Barolo for sure. Uh, but we produce Lambrusco. We always produce Lambrusco. That is basically a red, sparkling and dry wine. As you... Um, <laughs> As you described before, Lambrusco is a very unique wine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very and it has a very very particular history that I would call like an up and down story. And maybe later we will see some um, some parts of this uh, that I think interesting story. Um, so is your your father's Alberto? Is that correct? Yes, exactly. My father Alberto, I think. Uh, my father Alberto represents the fourth generation of the winery, and I think uh, he has been uh, the, the most important person in our history, and I think also one of the most important person in the history of Lambrusco, because he created this wine, uh, our concerto, that is basically our flagship wine. Um, it is considered like the most important wine from our winery, and he created this project that is one of the pioneers of the good quality Lambrusco. Uh, because talking about the, the history of the Lambrusco, um, in, the in the 50s and 60s, Lambrusco has been one of the first wine to be exported outside of Italy, together with Chianti. And mm -hmm. at the time, Lambrusco was considered very, very cool. Uh, there are so many funny stories, like in 1973, James Bond, in a biography, in a written biography, he ordered a Lambrusco instead to order a Champagne, just to know, just to consider how was considered Lambrusco at the time. It, it, it was a very cool wine. It was the Italian sparkling wine. The problem of Lambrusco was between the 80s and 90s, because mm -hmm. uh, few wineries of my area saw a huge opportunity of business in this wine, because it was very refreshing, was very drinkable, and they started to produce a huge quantity of Lambrusco instead to produce quality Lambrusco. Mm -hmm. So they invented the sweet Lambrusco because the real Lambrusco is dry, it's not sweet. So, so in they the, created... Okay. I was gonna say, in, so in the 70s and when you're referring to the James Bond movie, that was a dry Lambrusco? That was dry Lambrusco, exactly. Wow. That was okay. the real Lambrusco. Uh, the problem that uh, in few years, they completely destroyed and changed the image and the reputation of this wine because they invented, they created a sweet Lambrusco. So a wine with a high level of sugars, without acidity, with a low level of alcohol, that was basically the perfect drink, uh, the perfect uh, soft drink to drink <laughs> before to enter in the disco. And young people at the time were used to drink this kind of product before mm -hmm. to enter in the disco, just to have fun, you know, like, like cocktail today. And in few years, they destroyed the image of Lambrusco. So to come back to your question and talking about my dad, my dad entered in the winery in 1987. That was like one of the worst period for the Lambrusco ever. <laughs> the image of this wine wasn't zero, was minus 10. So he had to change completely the philosophy of production. He came back to produce dry Lambrusco, the real Lambrusco. He invented the Concerto project. So this wine, that was a completely dry wine, and it tried to change, and it has been a, a strong fight, believe me. Uh, sure. It tried to change the image of this wine. Oh, well, I'm, I like the fight. He's still fighting. That must have been a very huge uh, uh, risk he took, though. I mean, I, I imagine a lot of people probably told him he was crazy for trying to get on that train and, and fix it. So when my dad started this project, he was very young. Mm -hmm. He had just finished the university and uh, uh, he decided to complete, to, to change completely the philosophy of our winery and the philosophy of production of our land. How? Uh, you have to consider that in our land, usually the philosophy of production was uh, to blend different varieties of Lambrusco from mm -hmm. so many different vineyards in so many different areas of our region. My dad decided to change completely this philosophy. He went to Burgundy, he went to Barolo area, he went to Champagne, and he discovered a philosophy called Cru, single mm -hmm. vineyard um, philosophy. 
-hmm. how, it, how does it work? A single vineyard is basically a wine that is produced just from a single and selected vineyard. And you get from this vineyard particular characteristic that you can find just in that vineyard. And it started to produce our Concerto Lambrusco just from a single and selected vineyard. So it changed completely the philosophy of production. And for the other producers, my dad was just a very young and crazy uh -huh. wine producer because why we have to change the philosophy of production? And my father was right. And right now there are so many single vineyards Lambrusco produced in our areas. But my dad has been the first and Concerto is considered the first single vineyard Lambrusco ever produced. And it's done very well. You get the Trebicchieri like every year, right? Yeah, usually I don't love to talk about awards, but awards <laughs> are very important and uh, commercially uh, speaking are very re relevant. Uh, uh, so uh, thank you for the question. Concerto won 11 years ago, uh, Trebicchieri, that is three glasses on Gambero Rosso. Gambero Rosso is like the most important award for an Italian wine producer. And for 11 years in a row, uh, we got this award. 11 years ago was impossible to think Alambrusco with this award. But also to, to stay in your country. I'm sure you know Wine Spectator, for example. 11 years ago, uh, the, the, the average um, score for Alambrusco was 82, 83. Concerto today got 90 points, 90. I know that if, if you think like a Burgundy or Bordeaux, 90 is a low score. But if you think Lambrusco, 11 years ago, this is an amazing result. This is, this is an amazing award. Yeah, well, congratulations. It's worth it. So that's great. Um, I, I would like to, if we could talk about uh, Lambrusco itself and some of the different grapes that actually go into it. Um, could you cover those? or at least the ones that you're using. I know there's quite a few that you can use, but what are the ones that you guys really use? Absolutely. Uh, this is very important because uh, some people think that Lambrusco is like uh, the name of a brand, the name of a style of production. Uh, instead, Lambrusco is the name of a grape. So it's exactly like to say, I don't know, Nebbiolo, Pinot Noir, Sangiovese, Chardonnay. So Lambrusco is a grape. And this is a grape with uh, uh, a very interesting characteristic because Lambrusco is a family of different varieties. In the Lambrusco grape, we have different varieties, always in the Lambrusco family, and all these varieties have different organolytic characteristics. All these varieties are always red, sometimes rosé, sparkling, mm -hmm. dry wine, but all these varieties have different level of acidity, different level of tannins, different level of sugars, and this is uh, the complexity of Lambrusco. Some people think that Lambrusco is just an easy wine. Lambrusco is an easy wine because it's very easy to drink. And this <laughs> is a good characteristic, but not because Lambrusco is not a complex grape. Lambrusco, like very important grapes, uh, has a very uh, complex characteristic. And when I say complex, I think, uh, talking about wine, I think it's a very interesting uh, uh, point. Think, for example, Burgundy. How many crews of Burgundy? How many classification right. of Burgundy you can find? And I'm talking about one of the most important areas of the world, Burgundy. And exactly like for Burgundy, also in Lambrusco, we have different family of varieties. We have different crews. We have different areas of, of production. So Lambrusco, it's an easy wine, as I told you previously, because it's very easy to drink. But in the same time, Lambrusco is a world of grapes and is a world of varieties. Here, let me show my t-shirt because this is a, a beautiful gift from Erica Taylor that uh, is, she is our district manager in Atlanta. And here you can find some, some names of Lambrusco varieties. Sorbara, Marani, Salamino, Grasparossa. Uh, all these varieties are in the Lambrusco family, but all these varieties have different level of acidity, different level of tannin, different level of sugars. And this is the beautiful world of Lambrusco. But at the end, you have always a red, sparkling, dry wine that is so gastronomic and so versatile. Uh, Alessandro. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't plan that. 
I love it. <laughs> Great. Uh, um, well, uh, can can we talk about? Um, well, first of all, let's let's taste this concerto that we have in front of us. So this is, uh, I don't think we actually mentioned this, but in addition to everything else we're saying, this is vintage dated, um, which is, I don't know, I find that a little interesting. I don't often think of that, um, but yeah. Uh, your glass is cooler. Yeah, this is the first vintage Lambrusco ever produced. Uh, when my dad started this project, uh, he thought that was important to value, to give some values, to give more uh, identity to our wine. And he decided to put the vintage on the label. This was quite risky because at the time, the idea of the people about Lambrusco was just about a wine that couldn't age mm -hmm. for, for many years. And this is basically the truth because usually also in our area, we are used to drink Lambrusco in the same vintage of production. But mm -hmm. what we discovered with a wine, for example, like Concerto, is that also after some years, we can find a beautiful expression of Lambrusco. For example, you have Concerto 2016, you told me. Mm -hmm. How is it? It's still fresh, it's still refreshing. Oh, it yeah. Has a... Lots of acid, it's lots of Lambrusco. fruit. I, I'm glad to hear that our Concerto 2016 is still, uh, is still fresh because this was basically the mission, the goal. Of, uh, of my dad when he started uh, this kind of project. And this Lambrusco is 100% Lambrusco Salamino. That is okay. one of the variety of Lambrusco. Why Salamino? Because the shape of the bench, the shape of the grape is like a long salami, a long sausage. <laughs> okay. So in, in the ancient, they gave us, uh, the, they gave to, the, to, the, to this variety this name. Mm -hmm. And the characteristic of this wine First of all, is the color. It's very deep, it's very intense. But in the same time, when you, when you smell this wine, it's like an explosion of red fruit. And this is one of the characteristics that we always have to search in a Lambrusco. The fruitness, it's always a very refreshing wine. And when we taste, we discover an amazing acidity. One interesting information about Lambrusco is that the acidity of Lambrusco in every single vintage is the same acidity of the Champagne area. Oh, what, what is, so, is your climate similar? Is your temperature? The climate is very different, but is the variety mm -hmm. that uh, it has this characteristic, this natural characteristic and okay. also the soil and also okay. the soil. The climate in the Champagne area is, uh, is much colder than Emilia Romagna area. But uh, thanks to the, uh, the um, variety Lambrusco, and thanks to the soil, we can get this beautiful acidity every single vintage. And this acidity gives us a very gastronomic and a very versatile wine. I always tell that I don't consider Lambrusco like the most important wine that we can buy in the world. Mm -hmm. But I really believe that Lambrusco is the most gastronomic and the most versatile wine that we can find in the world. Because it goes basically with everything. Uh, from, you know, charcuteries, cheeses, uh, Italian food like pasta, pizza, but also with some barbecue, also with some international cuisine like uh, Korean uh, food, mm -hmm. uh, some spicy food from India, from China, from Thailand, some Mexican taco, for example. It goes very, very well. It's really, really versatile and it's very, very refreshing because it's red, but we have to pour at low temperature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so where, I mean, you drink it right out the refrigerator. Wait, what temperature do you, yeah. Uh, I can tell the Celsius uh, degrees. I don't know the Fahrenheit. <laughs> I always have this problem. That's okay. We, we can't get on Celsius here for some reason. Um, but Eight, well, what's your Celsius degrees? degrees? Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, can we talk a little bit about how actually Lambrusco is made? How you get the bubbles? Do you ever use oak? Kind of go through that a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, as I told you, Lambrusco is a sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. um, so it has bubbles. And um, what is interesting in the Lambrusco is that we can get these bubbles with the three methods of production of Lambrusco. The first one that is the most common method of production of Lambrusco is called Charmant method. Mm -hmm. So the second fermentation happens in steel tanks. 
you know, like for the Prosecco, right. it's a very fast fermentation that can last between uh, uh, one and three, four months. Mm -hmm. We get uh, gently and elegant bubbles. If we do like a, a longer second fermentation, like between two, three, four months, we can get very gently bubbles. Uh, but in the same time, thanks to this method, we can uh, keep uh, the fruitiness of the wine and the, and the freshness of the wine. So with Sharma method, we can preserve the fruit and the freshness of this wine. The second method of production of Lambrusco is the traditional method, is the Champenoise method. So it's the same method of production of Champagne, for example. Mm -hmm. So the second fermentation, when I say second fermentation, I mean the moment, not the moment, but the period when the wine becomes from a still wine, a sparkling wine. Mm -hmm. This moment for a Champenoise method happens in the bottom, in horizontal position, but this method is very rare in the Lambrusco area. It's becoming more and more popular, especially in this area, in our region, Emilia-Romagna, mm -hmm. but uh, it's still uh, like a niche product. But uh, uh, you can discover beautiful Lambrusco, usually a rosé, so with a, mm -hmm. with a very short skin contact, with an amazing acidity. In a blind tasting, believe me, it's very hard to recognize a rosé, Lambrusco Champenoise method, and a Francia Corta rosé, for example. Wow. The third well. method, sorry, Mike. Oh, no, no, you got it. Keep going. <laughs> the third method of production is uh, PEDNAT, so, mm. or ancestral method. This is the original way of production of Lambrusco. So my grand-grand-grandfather was used to produce Lambrusco in this way. That is basically a champenoise method. So the fermentation happened in the bottle, in mm -hmm. the horizontal position, but uh, at the end of this fermentation, for the champenoise method, usually the producer remove the yeast from the bottle, uh, thanks to a process called degorgement. Mm -hmm. In the pennant method, that is the third method of production of Lambrusco, the, produ the producer at the end of the fermentation doesn't remove any yeast. So we leave the yeast inside of the bottle and the wine will be a little bit cloudy will be a little bit torbid and not mm -hmm. completely limpid. And the wine will be very, very dry, especially in areas like Brooklyn, Seattle, San Francisco, like in more hipster area, Vancouver. Mm -hmm. These kind of wines, pednat wines, are going very, very well, commercially talking. And uh, uh, it's like 20 minutes that we are talking, and I just told about uh, things that I didn't do that my dad, my family <laughs> did. But uh, the first process that I did in the winery was actually a pennat lambrusco, a rosé, okay. called fermento. It does, it, so that actually is here, it's just not in my state. <laughs> uh, New York fermento gets Fermento actually <laughs> is a very small production. Just, okay. Uh, this year we did 9,000 bottles and is available in the United States just in a few markets. Mm -hmm. New York, California, uh, Oregon, uh, uh, I think Illinois as well. But we want our project is to grow. Uh, with South Carolina family. next. Yeah, I also. Write, write that down. Get us, get us next. <laughs> so <laughs> we have um, to talk with Cobra. <laughs> so we, uh, uh, so you, uh, you still make that wine? What's your, what's your future with the winery? Do you, do you anticipate, you know, taking over more wines that you're making or? more marketing side? Uh, my role in the winery is actually, um, I'm the brand ambassador of the winery. Okay. So I travel a lot, I drink a lot, I talk a lot, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, actually what I wanted to do was uh, to get the mission and the, um, and the philosophy and the identity of the winery. So I studied a lot. I studied mm -hmm. my roots. Uh, because as I told you, we have a very long history, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm trying to get all these messages, all our mission, and to bring this mission in the present and in the future. It's not easy because we are, we are a family business. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy because uh, the image of Lambrusco is still sometimes uh, you know, difficult. There is mm -hmm. always the prejudice, but what I see traveling is that uh, 
the prejudice of this wine is changing deeply. And especially in the young generations, people are very, very interested in this wine because it's so different, it's so unique, and they really understand what is the potential of Lambrusco. And just to conclude, to answer to your question, what I always do is always to communicate the area where Lambrusco is produced. Because uh, I didn't tell before, but uh, Lambrusco is from Emilia-Romagna region. Mm -hmm. And Emilia-Romagna region, it's a very, very beautiful area. We have so many different types of business, like Ferrari, Maserati, Ducati, uh -huh. uh, are from our area. We are so dynamic. We are a very artistic uh, area, full of culture. Thing that, uh, for example, the Italian flag, you know, the red, white, and green flag, are from my town, Reggio Emilia. And our food is unique. You know, Parmigiano Reggiano, Mortadella, all the fresh pasta like tortellini, lasagna, bolognese uh -huh. sauce. I could talk for two hours about our food. <laughs> so right. we try to explain our wine uh, completely, not just like a liquid inside of a bottle, mm -hmm. but uh, we try to communicate everything that is the environment that is uh, uh, across our wine. So, so with all of your travel and trying to communicate this, uh, where do other countries stand? Like uh, who, who are your biggest consumers of your product? So Medicermete uh, is a very international winery because we export in 70, 70 countries in the world. So we travel a lot during mm -hmm. the year. And um, commercially speaking, our first market is Japan. Okay. And there is a reason. There is a reason because uh, the period, so between 80s and 90s, that uh, we had in the United States or uh, in the North America, so where the few wineries uh, I have to say, destroy the image of Lambrusco. Uh, these wineries didn't arrive in Asia. Uh -huh. Oh, so okay. The prejudice about Lambrusco in those markets uh, doesn't exist. So when my dad started to export in Japan, we didn't start from minus 10 like United States, but right. we started from zero like the other wineries. And we could create a market. And right now, maybe Cermete in countries like Japan, Korea um, is a brand mm -hmm. and this is very interesting. And when I go to Japan, for example, to Tokyo, to Osaka, you can find easily in so many different wine bars, casual bars, uh, wine shops, our Lambrusco, other Lambrusco and Lambrusco is a category. And mm -hmm. this is our mission also for North America to create the category of Lambrusco. Well, that's great. That's a solid mission. I think you'll have success. It really is such an easy wine to drink and uh, it pairs with everything. It's just, uh, it's just fighting that, that stigma that we have for it. Um, one thing I didn't ask you about, but I, I wanted to cover, uh, I, I think you guys went organic or are organic. Is that accurate? Yeah. Medicermete has uh, 80 hectares of vineyards divided in five different states. Okay. Um, we decided to, to move completely to the organic uh, agriculture mm -hmm. uh, three years ago. Okay. So from the harvest, from the vintage 2020, so this year, we will become completely organic. We are discussing internally to put the, the, you know, the, the logo of organic mm -hmm. in the back label. There is an internal discussion because in Italy, is considered just marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to decide if we want to put the logo of organic on the back label, but anyway, we will receive the official certification of organic agriculture this year with the Harvest 2020. Well, that's awesome news. Maybe you have you considered just putting it on the organic for the stuff you ship out and keep the stuff in town, no a different label? Yeah, we, we, we are discussing internally also about that. Um, the only thing is that we would love, but this is my dream. I, I know that then there is the market. Uh, I would like to, to choose one single label for, uh, for everybody because I would love that our message would be unique for every market. I mean, especially the, the brand values, you know, Mm -hmm. Then we can approach and then we can have a different communication for, different, for all the different markets because 
you know, it's completely different to communicate in, uh, in uh, North Carolina, for example, from Tokyo. We are right. talking about two completely different markets, but I think the brand values are unique. And this is why we are discussing a lot in the winery. But, you know, market is important. The, the commercial part is very important. And we will see uh, for the future what uh, uh, it's right to do. Sounds good. Um, thank you for your time. Before I let you go, I know I've taken you for a while. I wanted to ask just two other questions. Uh, one, because uh, we've, we've talked a lot about the concerto, but um, uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Quercioli? Yes, perfect. Okay, good. Um, what, what is that line all about? I know that's one of the, you actually have a sweet one there, which, you know, is, is not like the rest of what you're making. And then you have a secco. And, um, what's, that, what's that line all about? Yeah, so Concerto is basically our flagship wine. Mm -hmm. So it's the wine that uh, uh, represents uh, the, the change of Lambrusco. It's one of the pioneers of the good quality Lambrusco. Then, for sure, we produce also other wines. Mm -hmm. And two of these wines are called Quercioli. I know that it's not so easy to pronounce in your language, but <laughs> it's basically the name of the state uh, where we get these two wines. Okay. Uh, two wines because one is dry, one is sweet. Before I told that the real Lambrusco is dry. And uh, uh, so why Medi Cermete is doing also a sweet wine, a sweet Lambrusco? The, the answer is because uh, our sweet Lambrusco is completely different from the sweet Lambrusco that destroyed the image of Lambrusco. <laughs> okay. Uh, I basically don't drink sweet wines, but mm -hmm. our sweet Lambrusco has a, a very high level of acidity, <clears throat> and also a high level of tannin because we have to remember that we are talking about a sparkling wine but also we are talking about a red wine and as uh, all the red wines uh, also Lambrusco grape has tannins mm -hmm. so this level of tannins and this level of acidity can balance perfectly the sweetness of this wine and this sweet Lambrusco and for this sweet Lambrusco we don't add sugars we just right. stop the fermentation after a few weeks when we have the original and the natural level of sugars of the mass of the grape juice. Gotcha. So it's a completely natural sugar. And this sugar, this acidity, this tannin give us a very, very versatile wine. Not just with dessert, but also with some spicy food, some barbecue. It's actually my swimming, swimming pool wine, you know? <laughs> during, during summer, it's really hot. Drink a sweet uh, Lambrusco Quercioli. It's so refreshing, so drinkable, so versatile. That's awesome. I agree with you. Uh, so last question, which I, I don't know how I didn't ask this earlier when we were talking about Concerto, but um, where did the name Concerto come from? So Concerto means concert mm -hmm. in English. Um, like a music concert, for example. Uh, you have to know that um, when our family started to produce wine 130 years ago, my family had also many restaurants in our region. And one of these restaurants was exactly in front of a theater, a music theater, where there was a very important Italian uh, artist called Giuseppe Verdi. Okay. And he was a very important uh, music artist. And at the end of every concert, he came with his team to the restaurant. So we started to appreciate the music. And from that moment, every single generation had a strong passion for music. So when my dad entered in the winery, he wanted to bring some music names to his wines. And you know, concert, I think uh, uh, my, my dad should answer to this question because he gave <laughs> the name to the wine. But uh, I would think that, uh, I think that concert is like the maximum expression of the music. Mm -hmm. uh, if you uh, are, I don't know, a, Rollins, uh, uh, um, a rock and roll fan, if you go to a Rolling Stones concert, you have the maximum expression of rock and roll. Right. And concert is like the maximum expression. And in the same time, this con concerto, this wine, for my dad was the maximum expression of Lambrusco. So that's why he gave to this wine this name. Well, it's delicious. Please tell him I said so. 
thank you for what you're doing. Keep on trucking. Good luck out there. I'll do my part. Um, and thanks so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it, Alessandra. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. And I will talk with you like for a, another 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much. I- Hi, welcome back to Ride Between the Wines. Um, here's the Take 5 segment. The episode that you just saw was with um, Alessandra Medici with the Lambrusco. And I am here with Brian Del Volpe, uh, who also is a huge fan of Lambrusco. I am, yes. <laughs> uh, we just brought a special one into the store. It is delicious. So it if is you delicious. want to try the Concerto, which is the creme de la creme that Alessandro was just talking about, um, you can definitely get it at a gourmet shop, so come out and try a bottle. It's here. Come get some. Um, but that being said, um, since everybody's been reopened, I know that you guys, uh, you made it the whole way through. You didn't, you didn't close. Um, but I'm talking to local restaurants and giving an idea and just asking some fun questions. I will say that a couple of years ago, and this was true with the last two guests I had, um, I just happened to be doing guests that I'd also written this really long blog a couple of years ago and interviewed. Uh, so when I release this, I'll release that as well so you can kind of see more of the backstory. Um, and it actually, that was when Dennis and Linda, Linda owned it, so uh, it'll be a different uh, side for you to see the story because now Amy Beth owns it. Yeah. Um, but that being said, um, we are in the gourmet shop. We are still doing social distancing, which is why we still have two cameras. Um, don't worry about the no masks on because uh, we waited till it's closed. We're closed. Yeah, closed. We wear masks all day, every day in here. <laughs> every time I see you. Um, so that being said, let's get started. Let's. Question number one. Mm-hmm. This question's category is called smoke, drink, and stink. So right. here's the question. Yeah. If you could pick any person from any time period, I would like you to pick the person you would most like to have a cigar with. Okay. A person you would most like to share a bottle of wine with. Okay. And a person you would most like to have some delicious stinky cheese. Ooh. All available at Gourmet Shop. Wow. Um, that's a good one. Um, I don't know if this is cliche, but I feel like the cigar would have to be Winston Churchill. That was exactly it's, where my head went through on that question. I feel, I feel like, like you know, it's just that. one of those, of course, it's the first person that comes to mind, but just the guy was just a, a fantastic... Uh, quotesman. It'd be hilarious to just sit down with and sure just listen to the things out coming out of his saying, mouth. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the guy knew his cigars. He smoked like four of them a day <laughs> uh, and had whatever uh, medical advice to live as long as he did while still smoking four smoking cigars four a day. Cigars so a day. I want to know what the deal is there. You know, That's a good yeah. one. So I that like would be that. great. Okay. Um, a bottle of wine. And actually, you know, being in the wine business for 15 years, nobody has ever asked me this question before. So it's not one I've had to think about. Um, That's surprising. I know. It is. Um, so it's it's whether I want to go with someone that I know would know a lot about wine. Right. Or somebody that is extremely versed in a different field and then I could feel smarter than that. Big so, fish, small pond. Yeah, do you want I don't know. With? It's difficult. It's difficult. Um, sitting down and sharing a bottle of wine... I would have to say, Sebastian Bach. I just feel like it would be because wine and wine and music, right? Obviously, in that time period, are so romanticized, and I think that would be super, super interesting. I'm not a huge music person at all, so that would be another thing just to to learn and and hear his side of it um you know classical isn't classical music is not something i'm super familiar with so it would be interesting to to get his expertise on that and i would be see see if wine yeah exactly what are you drinking in that time period right and so that would be very cool um and then wow these are thoughtful answers (sighs) stinky cheese uh Hmm. Uh, let's go. I don't know. Somebody. Let's go. With someone fun. Um, one of my sports heroes growing up, just a football player named Harry Carson that played for the New York Giants. I think it would be another kind of two worlds collide. I don't know if he likes cheese. I don't know if he's not, but it's a person he's. I've always wanted to meet. So why not? Might let's take let's sit down, right? eat some crazy stinky cheese, and 
Yeah. So I, I don't know anything about sports unless it has a Gamecock on it. Sure. Um, so uh, is he still alive? Yeah, he... still, still alive. Um, played back in the uh, the mid-'80s uh, for the Giants back when they, they won a Super Bowl in 86. He was a big part of that. He's in the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Nice. Uh, and he's actually from uh, South Carolina. He played at South Carolina State. So I didn't know that. You know, I grew up a Giants fan and came to South yeah, Carolina cool. later. So it has that. Interesting. Harry Carson. Harry Carson, yeah. All right, Harry Carson, come home to South Carolina and get some stinky cheese with this guy. There you go. You can both buy it here and eat it over there. All right, I like that. All right, question number two. All right, question number two is traditionally a question I call story time, okay. which is, I don't know, you, you've been here for 15 years? Yeah, 15-ish. I can only imagine you have a whole slew of funny stories, both with guests, with, uh, you know, who you work with. Can you, can you pick one out of the air? Um, there are a lot that I feel like are funny to the people that work here. As you know, you know, working in restaurants and, and people working in retail, uh -huh. there's that very close-knit. Camaraderie. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so a lot of the inside humor. Um, but I guess um, there was one, one, that, one story that I feel like is, I feel like it's funny. Um, Hopefully, people in retail will at least be able to associate with uh -huh. it, even if they don't think it's funny. But we had a customer come in, and this was years ago, uh, asking for a French wine. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, bingo, we got yes. this. So I've got hundreds it's of them. All of this. Hundreds. You can't yeah, see. trust me. Uh, so I was like, all right, cool. Let me just, you know, I'll see, pare it down, see where we can go from here. I was like, oh, well, would you like something from Bordeaux or Burgundy or Rhone or Champagne? And he just had this kind of puzzled look on his face. I was like, all right, so maybe he doesn't know a whole lot about French wine. It's fine. We get tons of people like that, too. Uh, so I make it a little easier. I was like, well, would you like something that is white or red? And he's like, no, no, no. I don't think you understand. I want French. So at this point, I'm like, okay. This may be a little harder than <laughs> I thought. So I break down. I like, okay, yeah, well, French. There's a lot of French wines out there. There's all these regions. And, you know, Some of them are white. Some of them are red. Others, you know, champagne, sparkling, and he's like, he's gone from puzzled now more to upset, thinking that I don't know what or something. Or, oh, no, I don't around, know. Really. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't want white, I don't want red. I want French. And at this point, I'm kind of puzzled as where to go Is there from there. Is there a brand called yeah, French? That I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So I, at this point, I try to explain a little further, of course, not trying to make him feel bad or, right. or condescending or uh, anything at all and uh, I was like well um, alright I can try and help you out just give me a little more information and at this point he's now just furious and fuming and said I can't believe in a store like this you don't have any French wine and I, at that point I just kind of looked down at the floor and like you're right sir I'm, I'm sorry we can't help you out and he storms off and wait there's no conclusion? no this, he just storms off because we don't have any French wine. I was dying to find store. out what this was. So I'm looking around. I'm really just thinking, all right, there, this has to be somebody's a prank. prank? Yeah. I'm waiting for hidden cameras. I'm waiting for somebody to call me like an hour later and say, hey, did you have a weird customer today? Nope. It was just. That is so interesting. I think it's funny. I was expecting there to be a. No, it's, it's, it's one of those customer stories that you just, you sort of laugh at or I laugh at internally maybe I don't I, know it kind of makes me think of not quite on the same scale but uh, when I was serving at Harper's when I was first starting out I remember there was a guy and, and after this happened every time he came in I would go and tell the server before he got there that this is, but he, he would order um, a Bacardi light like a Bacardi and soda or whatever it is but he'd always say Bacardi light and so in my head it's Miller light something and I was like yeah I'm sorry we don't we don't have a diet, and he was referring to silver, you silver, know. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's uh, kind of the same thing. Like, I just sit there, and it's such an argument. He's like, "This is a nice restaurant. How do you not have the Cardi Light?" It's sure, you know. But at that anyways. point, at that point, the customer's always well, right, absolutely. so you just agree just with them. Move on, you're and figure right, it out. I do not have any French wine for you. Oh, if you, if you actually haven't been to Gourmet Shop, the French wine section is huge. It's, it's probably one. It's, not to compare to other people. It's one of the best ones out there. Um, so Ooh, definitely come you. in and yeah. there's a whole first growth section that's just in the center. You know, there's, so plenty of stuff. But anyways, uh, question number three. Question number three is called the Unpopular Opinion Panda. Okay. Uh, unpopular Opinion. So if you are 
just on the podcast, you just heard Alessandro talking about how Lambrusco is probably, enjoying Lambrusco is probably a pretty unpopular opinion. I have a lot of unpopular opinions, um, but you should try it anyways. But uh, what, what about you? Do you have a uh, crazy unpopular opinion about something? Uh, I don't know about crazy. I mean, I'm fairly easygoing. I get along with most people. I like most things. <laughs> um, I guess down here... Maybe down here it's unpopular, but I absolutely loathe country music. Wow. Loathe it. Um, like, I would rather listen to an hour of Tibetan throat singing than one country song. I don't know if that's unpopular, but I definitely share that with you. I, so I, I'm probably going to get so much hate for that. <laughs> um, I was sitting out, um, Sheila doesn't like country music, but I mean, when she was younger, I think it was part of, Sheila's more southern than I am. Um, but we were um, out on the patio and listening to music, and then Garth Brooks came on. And I guess I should be more familiar with Garth, but like mm. I, I know the one song, um, Low Places, you know, mm. I got sure. But he's singing something else, and I was just shocked. I was like, this is the most annoying, twangy, like I don't even, I had to make her change it. I was like, I don't, I mean, and you know, to each his yeah, own. That's obviously a lot of people, yeah, he's a very popular musician, but yeah. I'm there too. I'll listen to, I'll listen to everything. I'll listen. R&B, rock, rap, anything. It's just a little, just, the, the twang. I can't I just, do it. I can't. It's actually kind of impressive. I can't mimic it either. So whatever yeah. they're doing, they're they're doing it well. I it's just, a specialized skill set. Yeah, it's a specialized skill <laughs> <laughs> This is getting good. All right, uh, question number four. Question number four. I didn't think of a category name. We're going to call this Amy Beth. All right, question number four. So, uh, so Amy Beth, Thought Gourmet Shop. Last year? Uh, yeah, February was one year. So okay, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I want to obviously Dennis and Linda love them. Did an amazing store here, um, and then Amy Beth, I love her too. I'm wondering since she's come here, is there uh, what's what's one thing she's brought to the game? Something that's that's uh, stepped it up? Or um, I think it's um, honestly just really energy and enthusiasm. She's so so energetic and always going. Uh, and I think, you know, we've, I've been here for a long time, so I've uh, been used to doing things a certain way, and I think, you know, the, store's, the store itself has been here for so long. Right. I mean, I feel like it always has its standards and its set uh, way of doing things, when, and she has just sort of infused it with, uh, with a lot of energy at the same time balancing the respect for what the store was. Uh, I mean, and well, she great. That's is very much in tune with, you know, um, you know she, she and Dennis are very good friends. So obviously her coming in, she, she respects what the store was. And at the same time is now just trying to bring in a little bit of her own flair without, uh, you know, without making wholesale changes or, or right. really any big changes. So uh, you can just, it's fun for the people that have been here for a long time too. Um, is it is it most of the same staff that's yeah. been here? Uh, you know, we we've been lucky enough to keep a lot of staff, especially during during this right, right. now. I know it's the same can't be said for a lot of places, um, but no, we've we've had a lot of people, especially the some of the managerial staff has you know been here for quite a while. So um, it, it's fun for us. You know, we're we're getting uh, we all have a a, a little bit more impassioned with what we're doing too, uh, just because. We see the energy that she's Outside bringing she and, and the things that she wants to make a little bit her own. Uh, so it's so much fun for us to, to well, just awesome. keep going and, and keep the tradition of this spot, which, you know, I at least, you know, being here for 15 years, knowing the store was here for 15 years, more than 15 years before me, too, uh, seeing the history and what it means to Five Points and what it means to a lot of our customers, especially. Uh, so it's fun for That's us to, to, ele- yeah. to elevate it a little bit more, so yeah, love yeah that. it's cool. It's a great answer. I love Amy Beth. She's she's, she's great. Get, as soon as you say, said energy or excited, I was like, yeah, that's yeah. probably the perfect. And answer. another thing too, I think uh, with her marketing background, um, uh, she's sort of putting her spin on that a little bit. We're being a little bit more, uh, you know, social media uh, centric and, and sort of putting ourselves out there a little bit. Um, which, so what should we follow you on Instagram, yeah, Instagram, Facebook? Facebook uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, which I'll tag everything now that I'm back on Facebook and out of jail. All right, question number five, which we've, we've kind of 
Generally, when I get to this fifth question, I cover it in the first four questions, but I'm still going to ask it. It's called Stick the Landing, which is, um, why is this place so special? I know you got on a lot of it. We, we didn't talk maybe so much about how many different parts there to it, but what, what, are, yeah. what are your thoughts there? Um, something that makes the Gourmet Stop special, I think, is um, really, yeah, it's, it's history. I mean, the store's been here since 79. Uh, in one form or another, you know, started out as a much smaller kind of just sandwich shop. And, so it started and, restaurant and built the other way. Oh, yeah. Or this way. Most, yeah. yeah. So, and then just the, you know, the, the passion that Dennis and Linda put into it to grow it in, you know, uh, a small kind of French-centric bistro in Columbia, South Carolina in uh -huh. the 70s and 80s is, you know, kind of an ambitious, yeah. ambitious yeah. ordeal. So um, to see where it's come from to now and really just being able to interact with the amazing customer base that we've got you know day after day um is i think very special being it's a you know small family owned now passed over to mm -hmm. to amy beth and her ownership with it um it's uh, it's a lot of fun to interact with both the people working here the customers and and really what i think that sort of sets us apart and how we've managed to be here for so long is kind of attention to detail mm -hmm. uh, you know with the cheeses that we're selecting for the case with the wines that we're selecting for the store uh, with the, you know the uh, recipes that we're trying to replicate day after day after day in the mm -hmm. cafe to keep that consistency to keep your chicken salad chicken salad's tasting good, perfect um, and it's really that attention to detail that we all really sort of put ourselves into to make sure that you know the things that we're offering to Columbia and Parts Unknown uh, to, to really keep it to a standard that, that we think is uh, is where it needs to be. Well, you guys are doing awesome. I love it. Check out the Chicken Salad in the Cafe. I'll, I will tell you before I go, like my favorite like Sunday afternoon that you could ever plan with my wife and I is mm -hmm. coming here, grab a bottle of wine, go over there, grab some cheese and some thinly sliced uh, charcuterie meats, and then go home and play Magic the Gathering or a board game out on the patio. That's that's my that's where I want to be. So uh, keep it up. Try some Lambrusco here. Check out Gourmet Shop. Follow them. Brian Della Volpe. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, thank you to um, Alessandro Medici. Please go out and try some of his delicious Lambruscos. Uh, the place you can try them at, one of them is the Gourmet Shop. Thank you so much to Brian Del Volpe for your time today. Um, super cool spot. If you've never been to the Gourmet Shop, check it out for everything. Um, please join me next week when we have David O'Reilly, who's the winemaker for Owen Rowe. Uh, very, very exciting to, to meet him. And otherwise, uh, please... Um, you know, press the button, subscribe, tell your friends, um, share this if you're enjoying it. If you're not, I guess shut up about it. Um, but otherwise, um, see you next week. Till then, chin chin. Cheers.